Good morning and welcome to Laurel Heights. Our promise is preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. And this morning, the text of Scripture to capture our attention is from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. About the book of Hebrews, after reading through the book, I believe the theme is clear. There were people of Jewish background who became Christians. They were subjected to persecution from those who remained in the Jewish religion. Now, in all persecution, there is temptation. The temptation is when you're persecuted to back away from commitment, to ease the pressure that you feel by either going private or just gradually drifting away from the activity of your faith in Christ. The writer of this letter is determined to provide the teaching and warning from God designed to prevent that drifting. And here's part of that. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The reference to Abraham would immediately capture the attention of people of Jewish background. And once their attention is captured, the writer makes a very simple point. God promised something good to Abraham, swore by himself... Abraham waited, and he obtained the promise. That goes along with this observation that you discover as you read the entire Old Testament. Nowhere in the Old Testament is there any account of God failing to keep His promise. God does what He says. And I want us to see in Hebrews 6 at verse 18 how very simply this is expressed. Hebrews 6, 18, it is impossible for God to lie. 
It is impossible for God to lie. Now, don't stop. Look back at the verse to see what this truth about God does for us. It says that we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. It's impossible for God to lie. God always tells the truth and keeps His promises. Now the impact for me is, I am greatly encouraged. If you have the King James, the phrase is, strong consolation. And then, stay with that verse. This is about holding fast to the hope set before us. Now there's our subject. Holding fast to the hope set before us, knowing that God cannot lie. Knowing God cannot lie, we are encouraged to hold fast to the hope set before us, the hope of going to heaven. Everything God has said about that, we can count on. Our hope is built on nothing less. Now, we are at verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. I want to talk about this anchor this morning. And I want to do that through the question, what do anchors do? What's the function? What do anchors do? I have three answers. Number one, the anchor prevents drifting. When I was a boy, one of my favorite outdoor activities was fishing out on the lake. I was trained by my dad. I went fishing with my friends out on the lake as often as I could, and when we found a good place, we would drop the anchor. If we forgot before noticing, <clears throat> we would be somewhere else on the lake. The well-set anchor prevented drifting. Christians don't just drift away without a cause. Christians don't just drift away and someday discover that they're away from God and have no idea why. Drifting always has a cause. And the cause implied in the book of Hebrews is, one did not set anchor and hold to anchor. Only when the anchor is not firmly set and held to, is there drifting. When faith and the hope it produces is allowed to become inactive and you cut loose from the activity of faith and the hope that it generates, then there's drifting. When the promises of God are not securely set in your mind, there is drifting. I want you to look back with me in Hebrews chapter You'll just have to turn back a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter 2. I mentioned in the introduction 
the recipients of this letter were persecuted and tempted. They came out of Judaism into Christianity and found themselves persecuted by those who didn't convert. Now, when you're under that kind of pressure, the devil uses that pressure to tempt you to gradually drift away from the solid faith that you embraced when you were baptized. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Drifting is not getting up on Tuesday morning and making a sudden decision that you're going to leave God for good. Drifting is the slow, almost undiscernible, gradual movement away from serving God because you feel some pressure. It removes you from God through the little steps that you take, the absence of zeal, the diminishing growth and neglect, not paying close attention to the gospel you obeyed. But if you're anchored by the hope of the gospel, that prevents this deadly drifting. When I talk to people who have drifted away, they can't give you a date on the calendar when they drifted. It was the slow decline. People may actually say, I don't know when and exactly how this happened. I just gradually fell away from God. But I've never had anyone say, I was active in my faith and growth. I held firmly to the hope of the gospel like an anchor. I attended every service. I read my Bible. My mind wasn't invaded by error or temptation. That was all until nine minutes after eight one morning, and I decided to leave God. I've never heard that. No. When you respond to God as He has directed faithfully, with daily commitment, praying and participating and holding to that anchor, drifting just doesn't happen. The anchor prevents drifting. The anchor prepares you for storms. In the recent hurricane activity on the East Coast, some of the video footage showed boats without mooring or anchor drifting in the bay or sea, whichever way the wind took them. Whatever the current was doing at the time. 
Now, whatever might be said about the nature of that storm and the weakness of common man-made ropes and anchors, Christians have an anchor that is sure and steadfast. It's God-made. It prevents drifting so long as you hang on to it, and it prepares your life against the prospect of storms. May I take us to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter uh, 7. Matthew chapter 7. Why do we refer to this passage so often? Why do we keep coming back to this teaching of Christ in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount? I think because this is so simple... Everybody can relate to it. In Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been formed on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I suppose in 48 years of preaching, every time I preach from this text, I've said to the audience, Jesus doesn't promise there will be no storms. He doesn't say, well, you're baptized now. Everything's going to be smooth sailing. There will be no storms. No. Instead, He tells us how to fortify ourselves to weather the storms in life that are inevitable on earth. And about that he says, hear and do the will of God. That's the rock that we hold to when the winds and the waves beat against us. Now compare the illustrations and connect the dots. As we hear and do the will of God, what do we have? We have hope. Hope that holds us steady. When the storms hit. See, the anchor, hope, not only keeps us from drifting, it keeps us safe and steady and we're able to survive storm after storm while we're here on the earth. So many things can disturb your peace while you're here on the earth. Unexpected illness, long-term health issues, broken marriages and families, unexpected financial loss, grief over loved ones, well-founded dreams that just didn't ever happen. 
On and on I could list all the possible sources of loss and grief and anxiety and regret. Never think that God has left you alone unless you've walked away from Him. If I remain faithful to Him, I'm anchored. I know that when the storms hit, if I will continue to hear and do the will of God, even when it really gets hard with the hope that God has imparted through the gospel I obeyed, I'm going to see better days. It is hope that is sure and steadfast. We're not talking about the man-made anchors that could not hold the boats in during the hurricane. We're talking about the God-made anchor of hope that you embrace by the activity of your faith. It keeps you from drifting. It prepares you for storms. And therefore, it gives you a future. Why have an anchor in your life, such as described in Hebrews chapter 6? Why have such an anchor? To prevent drifting, to prepare you for storms, and to safely reach your destination. The anchor used properly ensures your future. Look with me over in First. Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I will tell you that Peter is writing to Christians who were persecuted under similar pressure as the recipients of the Hebrew letter. And like our passage in Hebrews 6, there is this emphasis on hope. Blessed, 1 Peter 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is about hope. The hope of heaven that anchors us here on earth so that we have this beautiful future with God eternally in a place that is undefiled. And the certainty of it is signaled by Peter when he says, reserved in heaven for you. Hope is the anchor. 
the God-made anchor that we hold to by the activity of faith that keeps us from drifting, that gets us through the storms so that we have a future with God. Here, therefore, it is called a living hope. Finally, I have a story to tell you. There was this young man who worked at Niagara Falls Park as a guide. And it was a slow day. He wanted to enjoy the day, had some time off. So he tied his boat up above the fall, and it was very calm. He took his lunch out to the boat, and then after lunch he just fell asleep. The wind <clears throat> and the current picked up rapidly, but he was asleep. The rope came loose, and his boat began to drift. He was still sound asleep. People on shore could see, and they shouted loudly to awaken him. He was drifting, moving rapidly toward the fall, asleep in the moving boat. The news report the next day. The poor man was aroused from his sleep only amidst the thundering roar of the waterfall over which he plunged to his death. It was too late. It is not too late for anybody here to anchor your life in the hope of the gospel of Christ. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and will confess that belief, the Bible says the next step is to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and then arise from baptism to walk in newness of life and live a life that is anchored, that keeps you from drifting, gets you through the storms, and gives you a future with God. This anchor can be your anchor this morning. You can let it be known by coming forward as we stand together to sing.